Revelation chapter 5, as we work our way through the Bible, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. Revelation 5. Verse 1, And I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll written inside and on the back, sealed with seven seals. Then I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and to loose its seals? And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look at it. And so I wept much, because no one was found worthy to open and to read the scroll, or to look at it. But one of the elders said to me, Do not weep, for behold, the Lion of the tribe of Judah, the Root of David, has prevailed to open the scroll and to loose its seals. And I looked, and behold, in the midst of the throne, and and the four living creatures, and in the midst of the elders stood a a lamb, As though it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, sent out into all the earth. And then I came and took the scroll, I'm sorry, and then he came and took the scroll out of the right hand who sat on the throne. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each having a harp, a golden bowl full of incense, which are the prayer of the saints. And they sang a new song, saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals. And you were slain, and you have redeemed us to God by your blood, out of every tribe and every tongue, people, and nation. And have made us kings and priests to our God, and we shall reign on the earth. And then I looked, and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne. And the living creatures and the elders, and the number of them, was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands upon thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And every creature which was in heaven and on earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that is in them, I heard them saying, Blessing and honor and glory And power be to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. And then the four living creatures said, Amen. And the 24 elders fell down and worshipped him who lives forever and ever. Let's pray. Father, we thank you again for your word. And we just ask that, Father, you would do a work in our hearts as we see a scene from heaven and then a scene on earth. So bless this time now. Give us wisdom and understanding in Jesus' name. Amen. As a review, last week we got to heaven. Amen. Wasn't that great? Good news. We were sitting in heaven. We saw a picture of the throne room. There was a glassy sea in front of it. There was an emerald rainbow around the throne of God. It was a wonderful scene. That scene continues. Remember, no chapter breaks. That takes us into Revelation 5. But what we're going to do today is we're going to work our way through this, not necessarily in a quick fashion, but in a quick fashion. (laughs) And then I want you to see what's going on on planet Earth, because I I am a, a teacher, and I want you not to look at this section and Revelation in an in kind of like a scatterbrain idea. 
There is, a, there is a formula, there's a method, there's a reason why everything is partaking, and there are different places in the Bible that fills in the gaps, amen? We are going to have fun. You think, oh, we're going to stay in heaven. No, we're going to go to Israel today and see what the Persians and the Russians do, amen? So, verse 1. I saw on the right hand of, of him who sat on the throne a scroll written inside and on the back, sealed with seven seals. So from last week, we saw the throne of God. Uh, we know that uh, from last week as well, we saw the lamb. We see that today, the lamb that was slain. So we have a picture of Christ. We have the seven spirits. Was It's not seven individual spirits, it's a reference to Isaiah about the ministry of the Holy Spirit, and we see the Father. So, uh, the Father is sitting on the throne, he's got a scroll. Now, what is this scroll? Well, we have to go back to Genesis, we're not going to go back, but I'm going to explain it to you. In Genesis, God created the first man. What was his name? Adam. You guys are doing good. Like, if you miss that, I don't know what to... To think. Who is his wife? Eve. They were both created by God, perfect, right? The Bible says that they walked in the cool of the day with the Lord, and so they had communion, but Eve was, was deceived. Adam sinned. Remember that. It's not that Eve sinned. It was she, she was deceived. It was Adam that sinned because he knew what God had said, that they should not partake of the fruit of the tree of good and evil. And so when he, when he sinned and he fell, he forfeited the right to planet earth. You see, God had given Adam the dominion of planet earth, dominion over every tree, every fruit, every herb of the, the field, but also over the animal kingdom. He had dominion over that. And when he fell, Satan took that over took dominion over. That's why the Bible says he is the prince of the power of this air and of this world. We are on enemy territory, and we need to remember that, that it, this is a hostile environment. I think sometimes the believers in the United States of America fail to understand that we are living in a hostile environment. What is the one group that you can bully online and put out <laughs> Uh, legislation all around the world. What's the one group you can do that to? Christians. If you did that to Muslims, people would freak out and lose their minds. To Buddhists, you can't do those. Those guys have good robes. But we are on hostile territory. Why is it that when people cuss, they use Jesus? Oh, Buddha! Doesn't sing very well, does it? Oh, Muhammad! Doesn't work, does it? Because people know the truth, and the truth is Jesus. And so they use that as a curse word. So you and I are on enemy ground. But the Father is in control of all things. And he has that title deed. And the, the interesting thing about verse 1 is that, that the Jews would know exactly what this means. Because a seal and a title deed for a piece of ground had seven seals on them for the seven years you had to work off the land. They know this. Gentiles don't know this, but the Jews know this. They have it in context. And so in verse 2, it says, I saw a strong angel 
I don't think John needed to put strong angel. I think that's just a given. But it's a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the scroll and to loose its seals. Now, no one in heaven on an earth was able to open the scroll or to look upon it. And so John here saying, I wept much because no one was found worthy to open up and read the scroll or to look at it. But one of the elders came to me and said, Do not weep, for behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has prevailed to open up and to loose its seven seals. And behold, here's the description. In the midst of the throne, and on, uh, I'm sorry, in the midst of the throne and the four living creatures, and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as though it had been slain, having horns and seven eyes and the seven spirits that went out of the earth. So John the Revelator describes what he sees the best that he can by saying he sees a lamb slain. That's Jesus. Behold, John says in his gospel, behold, the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. So Jesus bears the marks of his crucifixion in heaven as a reminder for all of us. We will never not know what Jesus did for us here on planet earth, to remove our sins and give us entrance into heaven. Amen? Isn't that good news? He says, he stood as a lamb as though he had been slain with seven horns. Horns in the Bible is a, is a reference to authority and power. And ultimately, Jesus, as we will see, as we work our way through Revelation, will rule and reign, right, for a thousand years. We'll see that. We'll get to that. And he tells us what our part is well. And then we see the seven spirits of God, as I mentioned, the Holy Spirit. Then he came and he took the scroll out of the right hand of, who sat on the throne. That's the Father. Now, when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures, we saw those last week, and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb, each having a harp and a golden bowl full of incense, which are the prayer of the saints. So when we pray, they go to heaven. <laughs> and God answers them, or he puts them in a bowl for later. <laughs> and they sang a new song saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals. Now, next week, we start in chapter 6, Lord willing, and we will start to open up the seal. In fact, we're going to read the first one in a minute to give us context of where we're going today. And so to open up its seals, for you were slain and you have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and every tongue and every people and every nation. Who gets to go to heaven? Anybody. Is there a group of people that is not allowed? Yep, one group. You don't accept Jesus. Well, I thought all roads go to God. I thought that was pretty narrow. Yep, we are narrow-minded. I'm proud of that. Why? Because that's what Jesus said. Narrow is the road. Did he say, you guys are wide-minded? No, there's one way. Well, <laughs> that's pretty narrow. That's inclusive. Yep. Did anybody else come out of a tomb lately? Did Muhammad or Buddha, Joseph Smith, anybody rise from the dead lately? Only Jesus did. And because he did, he has the power to declare unto everyone on planet earth, I am the way, the truth, and the life. 
Nobody comes to the Father but through me. It's pretty simple, isn't it? Well, I don't like that. Well, talk to God about it. I'm just a messenger. I'm just reading it. Well, I'll give him a piece of my mind. Let me sit down with popcorn and watch you do that. And I'll see how well that goes. So they sang this new song. Guys, we'll be singing in heaven as well, but we won't always stay there. We'll get to that at the end of the book of Revelation. He also says in verse 10 that he has made his kings and priests to our God, and we shall reign on the earth. And then I look and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne, the living creatures and the elders, and the number of them were 10,000 times 10,000 and thousand upon thousand. What does that mean in verse 11? There's a lot. More than you could count. That's John just saying, it's a whole bunch. Try to count the stars. You can't. Try to count the sands of the sea. You can't. And what were they doing? They were singing with a loud voice, verse 12, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and blessing. Guys, we talked about this last week. God is worth it, and Jesus is worth it for the sacrifice he gave. And my life and your life means nothing without a life tied to Jesus, without a purpose in life. You know the one thing that really bugs me about evolution, although that it's not real science, and we'll get to that when we get to Genesis, is that when you're told that you are a mistake, that all of this is a cosmic mistake by happenstance, you came from a rock, or ooze, that you don't have a purpose and a plan? What do you think that does to generations of young people? What do you think it does to kids in school that they don't know the truth? Now, I, when I was in school, and I realized that was a while ago, I had a, a science teacher who, who happened to be a believer, which was kind of rare, <laughs> science teacher, and he would just lightly touch on evolution so we would know the other side of it. But he also taught creation in a government school. It was beautiful. See, the problem with today is nobody gets the other side because, well, as Billy said yesterday, everybody gets canceled. And that is not a free-thinking society. A free-thinking society allows you to make up your own mind. You're allowed to make up your own mind. It's called free will. But our society in which we live in, they have canceled, if you will. You don't get a choice. You get our choice. And if you don't like it, then we will put you out of business. Or we will do this to you. Or we will cancel you. You know, it used to be that we could sit down with an, someone from the other side, an opposing view, and have a dialogue. You can't even have a dialogue. Everybody's racist now because they don't even know the definition of racism anymore. We just reinvent words. And what's sad to me is kids don't know in the government school that God has a plan for them and a purpose for their life, that he loves them and that you are not a mistake, amen? What do you think that does to the psyche of a young person to know that they're a mistake, that this is just by chance, Random acts, that there is not a creator, 
There's not order in the universe. There's absolute order. I'm going off topic. (laughs) It's easy for me to do that in Genesis. Creation, evolution. Evolution removes God from the picture. You become your own God. The creation, there is a creator. Look at your body. It is not by chance that your eyeball formed perfectly. Let me give you one. If you don't have a complete eye in evolution, how can you see? How can you evolve for thousands and millions of years without a complete eye? How can you How can you evolve without a complete reproductive system? Let alone the size of the sun that is shrinking and we measure it. And if you put it in the timeline, the sun is touching the earth. I'm pretty sure that's hot. Let's get back to heaven. Singing with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessings. Please note with me, every creature which is in heaven and on earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that is in them, I heard them saying, blessing and honor and glory and power be to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb forever and ever. And then the four living creatures said, Amen. And the 24 elders fell down and worshipped him who lived forever and ever. Let's read 6 1, chapter 6, verse 1. Sorry, and 2. All right, the whole chapter. No. I have a second service. Now, I saw the lamb open up one of the seals. This is what we're going to unpack next week in more detail. And I heard one of the four living creatures saying with a loud voice, Come and see. And so I looked, and behold, a white horse, and he who sat on it had a bow and a crown. And it was given to him, and he went out conquering and to conquer. Now, this man that we're going to see is Antichrist. Notice that he doesn't have any arrows. He just has a bow. That's going to be interesting to and for us next week. But I wanted to set the stage of what we're doing now. So in our timeline, remember we had the seven letters to the seven churches. That was the church age, the age of grace. The age of the Gentiles are complete. The rapture of the church happens. The bride of Christ goes away, right, is taken out of here. And then we saw chapters 4 and 5. But what is happening during chapters 4 and 5 that leads us to chapter 6? Well, we see somebody rising up out of planet Earth in in a role to now take over and be the Messiah for the world. Not, not, Not Jesus, but it'll be the Antichrist. So how do we get from chapter 3 at the end, the rapture, to chapter 6 and what's going on in the middle. Now, you and I will not be watching what's going on on planet Earth while we're in heaven. Amen? Isn't that good news? Woo! I can't wait to not watch what's going on on planet Earth. But now we've got this scene. So in order to put all the pieces together, we need to understand what's in the middle of this rapture event and this man coming to the scene. Because the tribulation period does not start with the rapture And it doesn't start with Antichrist. It starts with his peace treaty that he makes. 
two places we're going now to Daniel chapter 9. Now, we will unpack this further next week. And then we're going to go to Ezekiel 38. There we will camp. Daniel 9, verse 24. These, this is the prophetic timeline for Israel. Wow, is Israel in the news again? Kind of fun where we are in the Bible, isn't it? And by the way, don't worry about Israel. They're good. They know how to take care of themselves. And they don't need Biden to take care of. Amen. Amen. If we can't fix a border issue, what makes you think? Uh, I digress. <laughs> or digest later. But, you know, 70 weeks are determined for your people, for the Jews. And for your holy city. What's the holy city? Jerusalem. To finish the transgression, to make an end of sins, to make reconciliation for iniquity, to bring in the everlasting righteousness, to seal up the vision and the prophecy, and to, to anoint the most holy. Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the command to restore and build Jerusalem until Messiah the Prince, there shall be 70 weeks and 62 weeks, and the streets shall be built again in the wall, even in troublesome times. So Nehemiah was given the command by Artaxerxes to go and rebuild the walls and the city. And from that point, when that decree went forth, for, uh, there is a period of time, 483 years later, is going to be Messiah. That's why when Jesus is talking to the religious leaders, the Jewish religious nation, and he, he, he puts upon them a heavy burden. It is because they should have known the time. He even said that, you should know the day that I walked in. You could write it down and you could calculate when Messiah would come in from Daniel chapter 9. Now, after 62 weeks, Messiah shall be cut off. That means crucified. But not for himself, for us. And the people of the prince who is to come, that's the Romans, shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. The Romans destroyed it under Titus Vespasia in 70 A.D. Guys, when, when I as a Bible teacher or any other Bible teacher is talking about these things, you know there are extra biblical accounts that prove everything that I'm saying. Josephus, the Jewish historian, not only speaks of this, but he speaks of Jesus. So when the Jews or any other group want to deny what our heritage is, which is a Judeo-Christian heritage, our boss is Jewish. We love Israel. I can't tell you that about a lot of Jewish congregations and synagogues. They're against Israel. How can you be against your own people? You keep voting for the party that's against your own people. How is that possible? Oh, oy vey. <laughs> he says, and the end of it shall be with the flood. Until the end of the wars and desolations are determined. Ah, here's our verse. And that he shall confirm, this is speaking of Antichrist, a covenant with many for one week. And one week in this period means seven years. But in the middle of that week, he shall bring an end to sacrifice and offering. And on the wing of abomination shall be one who makes desolate, even to the consummation, which is determined and is poured upon the desolation. That verse is very clear. <laughs> this is what it says. 
the Antichrist is going to make a treaty with the world and with Israel. Israel will think that this Antichrist is their Messiah. He will make a treaty with them, with the Arab federations, as we'll see in a minute, with the Muslim nations. But in the middle of that seven-year period, which we will see in Revelation, he will go into the newly rebuilt temple and call himself God. Now, no Jew could ever worship a person calling themselves God like that. And so uh, then, as we will see, they flee to the wilderness, the Jewish nation. By the way, three-quarters of the Jewish nation will be wiped out. Let's turn to, where did I say? Ezekiel, Ezekiel 38. So now let's put all these puzzles in the right order or you will not come back. So rapture of the church, gone, right? Chapter 4. Chapters 4 and 5, we are in heaven. Chapter 6, Antichrist. So what is going on in between this? Well, it is Ezekiel 38. This is one of the biggest battles. This is not, by the way, this is not Armageddon. That comes at the end of the tribulation. This is not Armageddon. This is a battle with Israel. Let's take a look at it. Now the word of the Lord came to be saying, Son of man. Set your face against Gog in the land of Magog, the prince of Rush, Meshach, Tubal, and prophesy against him. And say, thus says the Lord. Behold, I am a, I'm coming against you, O Gog, the prince of Rush, Meshach, and Tubal. And I will turn you around and put hooks into your jaw and lead you out with all of your army, horsemen, with all of its splendor, clothed in the great company, with bucklers and shields, and all of them handling swords. Notice who goes with them. Persia, Ethiopia, and Libya are all with them, and with the shield and the helmet. Gomer and its truce and the house of Togarma, from the far north with all of its troops, and many people are with you. And prepare yourself and be ready, you and all your companies, that they gather about you and guard them. And after many days you will be visited. Yes, in the latter years you will come into the land that you that brought back from the sword and gathered many people on the mountains of Israel, which had long been desolate, and they brought out the nations, and now they dwell safely. We'll talk about that. And you will ascend this invasion like a storm covering the land, like a cloud, you and all of your troops and many people with you. For thus says the Lord God, on that day it shall come to pass that the thoughts will rise in your mind and I will make an evil plan of it. And you will say, I will go, again, go up against a land of unwalled cities. I want you to underline that word, under um, unwalled villages. <laughs> that's important. <laughs> and I will go to a peaceful people, that's important, who dwell safely. Isn't it funny that people just want peace and safety today? One thing that COVID brought out is people lose their mind if they don't have peace and safety. They will give up their rights under the Constitution to have peace and safety. So those who dwell in safety and those dwelling without walls and having neither bars nor gates to take plunder and booty to stretch out your hands against the waste places that are Again inhabited. <laughs> Did you read that? Oh, we'll get to that in a minute. 
and against the people gathered from the nations who have acquired livestock and goods who dwell in the midst of the land. Now Sheba and Dedan, the merchants of Tarsus and their young lions will say to you, have you come to take plunder and have you gathered your army to take booty to carry away the gold and the silver, the livestock and the goods with great plunder? Therefore, son of man, prophesy and say to God, Thus says the Lord, On that day when my people Israel dwell safely, you will not know it. And then you will come from your place from the far north, and you and many people with you riding on horses in a great company of a mighty army. And you will come against my people Israel like a cloud to cover its land, and it will be in the latter days that I will bring them against my land so that the nations, here's the reason, may know me when I hallow you or spank you, <laughs> O Gog, before their eyes. Thus says the Lord, you, uh, are you he of whom I have spoken in former days in my servants, the prophets of Israel, who prophesied for years in those days, I will bring you against them. And it will come to pass in the same time when God comes against the land of Israel, says the Lord, that my fury will show its face. We never want to see God's fury. But they will, not Israel, they will. For my jealousy and my fire of my wrath I have spoken. Surely in the day there shall be a great earthquake in the land of Israel. Make note of that. We'll get to that in a minute. And so that the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, the beasts of the field, all the creeping things on the earth and all the men who are on the face of the earth shall shake at my presence and the mountains shall be thrown down, the steep places shall fall and every wall shall fall to the ground. And I will call for a sword against Gog throughout all my mountains, says the Lord God. Every man's sword will be against his brother and I will bring to him judgment with pestilence and bloodshed, and I will rain down on him and his troops, and many people who are with him, flooding rain, great hailstones, fire, and brimstone. <laughs> Thus I will magnify myself and sanctify myself, and I will be known in the eyes of many nations, and they shall know that I am the Lord. Revelation 4, gone. Church, out of the way. What is the planet going to look like when a bunch of Christians are gone? And I was thinking about this. You know, there are going to be nations that it really won't affect much, right? Because there's not really a lot of Christians in those nations anymore, like Europe, like portions of the Middle East. But there are a great number of Christians in China and America, South America, even Canada. There are believers in Canada who are being arrested for the name of Jesus. So, when, a, when I don't know what the number is going to be. Let's just say it's 100 million people vanish. What is that going to do? What's the stability going to look like? Is it at that point where God is going to allow this federation to come forth and attack Israel? Could it be that another scenario is that we could turn on the news that day and see Russian tanks rolling in from Syria, headed to the Golan Heights, and then we are taken out? 
I mean, that would be cool. And just so you know, if I see Russian tanks rolling into Syria, I will call a prayer meeting, and we're going home. <laughs> we'll just put it on the screen. Be like, we're ready. We're ready. <laughs> Wait, Iran. Okay, I, well, we're really ready. <laughs> so let's take a look at this real quick as best I can in the short amount of time I have. Son of man, set your face against Gog, verse 2. In the land of Magog, the prince of Rush, Meshach, Tubal, and prophesy against them. So the Scythians were the people before what we know today as the Soviet Union. And for those who don't know what the Soviet Union is, it's Russia today. So that whole area, the Caucasus Mountains from Armenia, you know all the stands that we have today? Pakistan. Well, you guys thought it was a guy? Turkmenistan, right? Ubakistan, all the stands. That's all the, the former Soviet Union. By the way, the majority of the nuclear weapons that Russia had were in the stands. Well, what happened when the former Soviet Union broke up? We don't know where they went. And neither do the Russians, but that's another day. Now, this group of people have been known as the Scythians for a long time. And I mean thousands of years. And they know where this area is. And if you look at Israel and you put direct north, where does it go? It goes right into the Soviet Union. And I say the Soviet Union because it's the Soviet idea. It's communism. It's anti-God. And because it's anti-God, they are anti-Semitic because the devil is behind that and the devil wants to wipe out the Jews. He's been trying to do it since, well, day one. And so we have here in verse 2, we have this Russian federation, whatever that looks like. In verse 4, uh, it becomes interesting because he says, I will turn you around and put hooks in your jaw and lead you out with all of your armies, horses and horsemen, all splendor, uh, splendidly clothed, a company with great bucklers and shields and with handling swords. It just is describing their army. But I want you to see this interesting thing that, that God says. He says, I will put a, a hook in your jaw and lead you out. What is interesting to me is it seems that the Russians at this point don't want to get into the battle, but are dragged into the battle. Now, how would they be dragged into the battle? Do you know that the Russians uh, export more um, guns, military hardware than any other nation, even above the United States of America? So they are the, the biggest exports of arms, of munitions and everything. Who do they sell to? Well, they don't care, anybody. But currently, their clients are Turkey, Syria, Iran, and Northern Africa. Who are the players here? Well, we're going to break this down. Now, uh, I think it was in the 90s or the early 2000s that Russia made a pact with Syria and Iran that said if they were attacked, that a Russia would come into the battle. Just like if we saw Russia attacking NATO in Europe, we, by treaty, are forced into that battle by the alliances that we have. So it would seem that although Russia likes to profit off of killing, 
uh, and selling ammunition and technology to the Iranians, by the way, those rockets are not Iranian that are coming in to Israel from the Gaza Strip. Those are Russian-made rockets. They might put an Iranian sticker on there, <laughs> but those are Russian-made rockets that get funneled by Iran into uh, the Gaza by Hezbollah and Hamas to fire into that. And I just want to make this statement before I go on so I don't say any more political stuff. We have, and, and I mean this with all, we have a stupid administration that wants to partner again with Iran. We are in the United States are funding Iran. We're giving them money so that Iran can buy rockets from Russia that they can send to the Gaza to fire in. And then we say, uh, Israel, you can't harm those Palestinians. It is a vicious cycle. And every time our government goes against Israel, we will fail. And it will hurt here in our nation. God will not bless a nation that is against his people, Israel. <laughs> That's another message. So let's see who comes with them. Verse 5. Persia. That is Iran. If you go to Iran today, they like it that you call them Persians. Don't call them Chaldeans. That's Iraqis. That's some fighting words. Those are two. You wonder why they fight all the time, Iran and Iraq? Because they're two different people. One of them is the, the Medes and the Persians. One are the Chaldeans or the Assyrians from ancient times. These battles go way back. Thousands upon thousands of years. Now we got Ethiopia and Libya, and the idea is northern Africa and even down into the Sudan area. And that is where Islam has made its the most inroads is in those areas. And again, thanks to President Obama and the Arab Spring, he brought them back together. Well, it just lines up with this battle that's coming. Now, think about that. What is the one thing in this group? I mean, Ezekiel is writing this. These nations really aren't any great nations at this time. What is bringing them all together? It is one thing, and it is Islam. Well, but that's not Russia. Yeah, but Russia is tied with Islam and all of these Muslim nations. They have not only political interests, but they have financial interest in what goes to on in the Muslim countries. So these Muslim countries are going to come against Israel. Now, what countries are missing? Um, well, let's, let me tell you what Gomer and Togarma is. That is Turkey. Actually, if you go into eastern Turkey, they still call themselves Togarmas today. Into uh, Armenia and that in the Caucasus area up there, they still call themselves Togarmas. So, uh, for a long time, Turkey was an ally of the West. Well, the EU, in its infinite wisdom, decided not to let Turkey into the EU. So, Turkey got mad and said, well, if we're not going to go into the EU, we'll align ourselves with the bear, with Russia. And for so long, Turkey has not been a predominantly Muslim nation. It is there, but it's not dominated by that. And Erdogan who is their president, is one of the first Turkish presidents to really push Islam 
into the nation of Turkey. So now we've got Turkey involved with the fight. So who's not there? Syria, which I think is interesting. Egypt, Iraq, Saudi Arabia, Jordan, and we'll talk about the U.S. in a minute. Now, the other nations aside from Syria, because the Bible says in one day Damascus will be wiped out, here's a foreshadowing of what's to come. At one point, the Israelis are going to have it with Syria, and they will attack Damascus, and it will be gone. Israel has some of the best nuclear weapons in the world. They have a neutron weapon. It is awesome. We have it too. You're like, I want one of them. Well, wait. (laughs) A neutron bomb is interesting. It puts out a high dose of radiation, but it leaves uh, buildings. It leaves the infrastructure. Russia has them. Israel has them. Now, if you're Israel and you're battling your neighbors who are very close to you, you really don't want to contaminate your soil, do you? But you want to wipe out that army that's coming towards you. They have weapons that can destroy an entire population without the infrastructure being destroyed. It's amazing what the what is don't tell anybody else what they have. But they have some amazing weapons. And we help them with that technology in the beginning. And just so you know, Richard Nixon was a friend of Israel. And during the Six-Day War, that communication between uh, Golda Meir and Nixon is very famous. And he said, whatever you need, Israel, I will give you. Well, it just happened to be that a boat came with some uranium that they used later on to make their own weapons. But Israel still denies that, and so do I. So, Syria is out of the picture. Egypt has a peace treaty with Israel. Iraq, well, they're kind of out of the picture. We kind of helped with that. Saudi Arabia has a peace treaty thanks to President Trump. Does anybody get credit? No president has ever brokered peace like President Trump. Nobody on the other side of the aisle knows that. No one in the media knows that. Ask your family and friends who are on the left coast or in New York. Do you know what President Trump did with the peace treaty? With Muslim nations? With Saudi Arabia? Jordan? You go to Jordan and the border between Jordan and Israel, it's a little tough, but they're friendly. Now, who's not in this fight? Well, it's the U.S. We'll see that in a minute. But it says, prepare and be ready, and all of your company that are gathered about you, and guard for them. And after many days you will be visited in the latter years, verse nine, uh, 8, sorry, and you will come up into the land of those who were brought back from the sword and gathered from many people on the mountains of Israel. Ezekiel 37 talks about how the dry bones gather flesh again. Listen to this. No nation on planet earth has been wiped out, gone away, and then been revived again. No nation but one nation. Only one nation. It's Israel. May 14, 1948, the nation of Israel once again became a land. And it fulfilled Ezekiel chapter 37. So this says... 
after many days. So we've got that chapter, May 14, 1948. So after many days, what does that mean? I don't know. It's certainly now it's continuing on after many days. You will be visited. In the latter years, you will come into the land and will be brought back from the sword and gathered from many people on the mountains of Israel. I encourage you, if you haven't already done that, you know I love history, I love war history, and I love war history about Israel. I have studied all of the the battles of Israel, and they have won every time with overwhelming odds against them. You don't win with five Arab nations coming against you unless the hand of God is with you especially in 1948 when they barely had any guns and they had three prop planes from Czechoslovakia that American Jews flew over to them. Three planes against five nations. And then you've got the Yom Kippur War, the Six-Day War. You've got in 1980, Lebanon. You've got all of these wars, and every time Israel has a war, I say keep, attacking them they just get more land every time he said notice which has been desolate Judea and Samaria which we know from the Bible is the West Bank which is Israel's it's not the Palestinians the Palestinians are made up people remember that the Romans called the land of Palestine as a word of derision it was a put down Anyone who lived in Palestine was a Palestinian. And in 1948, when Israel were doing their documents and all that, it says Palestine. A Jew, an Arab, it didn't matter. That whole area was that. There is no group called the Palestinians. That is a made-up group by Yasser Arafat's father. It's made up, and it continues today. And our own government funds a terrorist organization, Hamas, and you can turn it on today and see see what they're doing. But I, I like what this says. It says, which had been desolate, Samaria and Judea on the West Bank. There's nothing like Israel because there's nothing like Israel. There's nothing in Israel except for rock. <laughs> it's desolate. But you go to the West Bank, it's beautiful, it's lush. The Israelis are some of the best for irrigation. The technology that they have and employed to make the desert bloom is fulfilling prophecy. Not only here, but in other sections. Do you know that Israel is the second greatest exporter of food to Europe? Without Israel, Europe would starve. You know how many flowers come out of Israel? You know how much technology and pharmaceuticals come out of Israel? It is a nation that was reborn, and think about that, from 48 on. It took us 200 years to get to where we are. took them 60. Pretty good, huh? That's what happens when the hand of God is with you. Let's keep going. Tell me not to get off track. It's, It's too hard. I love this chapter. And you will ascend coming like a storm, covering the land like a cloud. So think about the Russian army, the Turkish army, the Iranians from the east, and from the south, all of Africa. What does that look like? I don't know. We won't see it. Well, maybe. I don't know. 
Did that help you, for, uh, Richard, from last week? Richard was upset. He, he, he from last week, said, I, do you know anything? I said, come this week and let's see. <laughs> He's, notice he says in verse 11, this puts it in context. I will go up against the land of unwalled villages. What is an unwalled village? It doesn't have walls. Come on, people. It's easy. Now, in the writing of Ezekiel and all through the Bible in biblical times, if you did not have a walled city, you were a dead city. Everybody got that? If you didn't have a wall around your city, you were a dead city. Well, what does this say? They're living at a time when there are no walled cities. This is the, this is the modern day Israel. He says, I will go to a peaceful people who dwell safely. All of them dwelling without walls, having neither bars nor gates. Now, it's interesting that he calls them a peaceful people and who are dwelling safely. For the most part, this is true of Israel. They, I mean, their military is incredible, and the world knows that. And if our administration would just let them do what they need to do, they wouldn't have any more rockets flying in. They would just roll the troops right into, the, into Gaza and do it. The Isra- By the way, the Israelis are the only army that warns you before they attack. So I don't want to hear that the Israelis are not friendly, are not loving. They are the only army that says, hey, we're going to hit that building. You might want to get out of it. We don't do that. We just blow it up. They warn people before they attack. So that won't be on the nightly news either, nor in the New York Times or in the L. You're never going to hear that. Because that's not the agenda of the left and the anti-Semitic, our government right now. We do not have a friendly Israeli government. By the way, Netanyahu told the Biden administration they don't want to have anything to do with them. He said, we don't need your help. Oh, let's finish. I was just dwelling on that for a minute. Like, I would have loved to have been on that call. And then you'd hear, come on, man. Sorry. <laughs> Calm down. It's the best Biden I got. <laughs> so, I'm sorry. I lost everybody. I make myself laugh. All right. Now, notice what it says in verse 12. It says, they come to plunder, to take booty, to stretch out your hand against the waste places that are inhabited again against the people who are gathered from the nations who have acquired livestock and goods. It means the entire land is back roaring. It's going. It has an amazing economy. And then it says in verse 13 that Sheba and Dedan and the merchants of Tarshish and all their young lions will say, have you not come to take plunder? And have you not gathered an army to take booty to carry away silver and gold and to take livestock and goods to the great plunder? Now, verse 13 is interesting because Sheba and Dedan are very easy to identify. They are the Arabian Peninsula. That includes Saudi Arabia. It includes Kuwait and all of the Emirates. That whole area is Sheba and Dedan. That's why we think the Queen of Sheba came from 
Arabia. In fact, we think that she came from modern-day Yemen at the bottom. So that whole area is making treaties. The, the Emirates just made a treaty with Israel, direct flights from Dubai into Israel, direct flights from Saudi Arabia into Israel. No one would ever think that was possible. President Trump and his administration made that happen, helped it out. Now, the merchants of Tarsus, so who is Tarsus? Well, in the Bible, Tarsus is basically the furthest away that you can get from Israel and at the known time. Um, remember Jonah? Jonah was, uh, went on a ship to go to Tarsus, and the idea of that was, Uh, It's a type and a picture of going as far as you can. But the Greeks, interesting, and the Romans traded with an island called Britannia. Anybody know what that island is now? Uh, Britain. Come on, people. I'm going to do the second service. I'll say first service. They just didn't have enough coffee. It could be, and I don't want to take us that far, but let's just say that Tarshish is Britannia. Or it's that Spain area or anything around the Horn of Gibraltar. If it's Britannia, then her young lions, who was birthed out of England, of Britannia? Well, Canada, Australia, and a little country known as the U.S. of A. Now, I find that interesting because it seems that the Emirates, this area, Arabia, and then England and maybe us and Australia and Canada don't get into the fight, we just protest. That's interesting to me. Because I can see, and I could see this during the Obama administration. Now, I think if Trump was in office and this battle happened, the battle wouldn't happen. When you're looking at geopolitical things, especially through the lens of the Bible, you look at weak leaders. And Russia and, and Islam, they, they know weakness. And so when they see weakness in a weak American leader, they take advantage of that. And so that's why we have what we have today. <laughs> I, do you know that we didn't have really any problems for four years under Trump? No terrorist events? No, nobody poke in Israel. It was quiet. Then you change administrations. They can sense weakness, and now Hamas does what they're doing. That's, I'm not saying that that's happening right now. I'm just saying that we have seen that in the past. So it would seem that we in the United States have two issues. Number one, we either have a weak administration, or number two, which I think is better, you got 100 million Christians gone, and the nation can't function, and it doesn't know what to do. It used to be, I say this used to be because I've been teaching this now for 25 years, uh, Bible prophecy, and it changes. It changes, and different characters come on the stage. When I first started teaching this, I didn't understand why Turkey was in a battle because they were our ally, and they actually had some peace treaties with Israel. How did that fit in? Well, then Erdogan gets in. And administrations change and things change. It used to be 
that our military had a lot of Christian uh, leadership, Christian generals. During Obama's administration, President Obama's administration, he started to weed out generals and put in generals that, as we know today, that are woke. They're teaching critical race theory. They're teaching all of this stuff inside of the military where it has no business being. There are two things in society that that should not be in. Sports, uh, too bad. Lost sports, and it shouldn't be in the military. These people's job, number one, is to protect the United States of America from outside. That's their job. And because they started changing generals and putting in generals that they liked, we started to see not only retiring generals, Christian generals. Boykin is one of the Lieutenant General Boykin. He'll tell you all about it. And imagine what would happen if a ton of Christian generals were gone from the military. Or from Congress. Now, there's, we think there's about three Christians in Congress. So we're, we're okay. They won't have any problems there. <laughs> but what happens if 100 million people disappear from America? What does our country look like? Well, even if we had a strong president, I would imagine the president said, listen, this is not our fight. A while back, Europe said that to us when we went. I forget where we went because we've gone so many places lately if it was Iraq or Afghanistan, but we went into a battle in Europe, for the most part, said, we're going to sit this one out. And that's their prerogative. They can do that. And we may say the same thing. You know what? We're going to sit this one out. We don't have the troops to do that. But I want to show you here what God does in verse 18 as we end. It shall come to pass at that same time when Gog comes against the land of Israel, says the Lord, that I will show my fury in my face. For in my jealousy and in my fire of my wrath I have spoken. Surely in the days there shall be a great earthquake in the land of Israel. Now what I find interesting that is on the Mount of Olives, across from the city of David in Jerusalem in the Temple Mount, that's why you need to go to Israel with us if we can get back to there if they could just have some common sense, um, that there is a fault line that runs through the Mount of Olives. How they found that is one of the hotel chains, I can't remember if it was Marriott or the Hilton, wanted to build a huge hotel on the top of the Mount of Olives. I mean, who wouldn't? What a great view. Well, when they did the engineering studies, they stumbled upon a fault line that had never been detected before. There is a fault line literally a mile away from the Temple Mount. Now, what did this just say? It said that God is going to cause an earthquake during this battle. So you know how we've talked about how the Temple Mount is there and the Dome of the Rock's there and the Alaska Mosque, and we're, we've always wondered how is the rebuilt temple, how is the Jewish temple going to get on that? I know. It's right here. Can you imagine an earthquake in Jerusalem and it levels the Dome of the Rock? Just right down. Then next week, when we see Antichrist step in the middle of this scene and seemingly to be the Messiah and broker peace between Israel and the Muslims, he's going to tell them, because we'll look at it next week, hey, Muslims, you can build your temple here. Jews, you can build your temple here. And Christians, you can build your temple here. Now, the Christians aren't there, but there will be people in name only. Remember that. Remember we said that after the rapture, churches will be full? Because the 
There's a lot of people playing religion. So this event, God brings a huge earthquake. Let me finish. And I will call verse 23, 21, 21. <laughs> a sword against Gog throughout all my mountains, says the Lord God of hosts, every man and every sword against his brother. And I will bring judgment with pestilence and bloodshed. And I will rain down on him and on his troops and on many people who are with him, flooding rain, great hailstones, fire and brimstone. So either uh, God allows uh, Israel to fire off its nuclear weapons, which this is a pretty good description of what a nuclear weapon does, or God supernaturally does the work. And I don't want to be in the Soviet Union or in Persia or in Turkey when God is raining down his fury upon those who would come against his chosen people, the Jews, against Israel. He says, thus, at the end of this battle, I will magnify and sanctify myself, and I will be known in the eyes of many nations, and then they shall know that I am the Lord. Now, you, you say, but pastor, didn't you just say the Antichrist will stand up and claim to be Messiah and broker our peace? He will, but through the tribulation period, people know that everything that's happening to them is happening to them because of God. They say, hide us from the face of the Lamb. They, they don't repent, but they know who is pouring down the wrath against them. I know that was a lot. Good for you for holding on that long. Amen? Read ahead. We start to open up the seals of Revelation chapter 6 next week. And Wednesday, start the first of James chapter 1. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word, and we thank you for this day, and we ask, Lord, that you just fill us with with joy and peace, because we know where we're going. We don't have to go through any of this. And my heart breaks for people who reject Jesus and who will go through this. They will watch and be able to see the Bible and the news side by side. All of this is predicted. All of this is coming. But because the hardness of man, the stubbornness and the pride of people, failing to see their need for Jesus a need to be removed from planet earth, a choice to hear. So, Lord, thank you for our day. We thank you for the beautiful weather here at the beach. And we ask, Lord, that you would come. Lord, that you would bring your judgment upon this world that has thumbed their nose at you, that thinks evil is good and good is evil. They <coughs> kill the unborn child. They put to death the old. They do not value the innocent anymore. And they are debased in their thinking. So Lord, bring judgment, but take us out of here soon. We love you, Lord, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand. Let's